Welcome to the Limitless Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and helps build your faith. Enjoy the message. We're so excited that y'all, y'all have come today. I'm going to be continuing that series, Strange Things in the Bible. Um, so j- just a recap of what this series is about. Uh, we started this series. It's basically about strange things that happen in the Bible or supernatural things that have happened in the Bible. And these are things that have not happened without significance. You see, the, the thing about the Bible, there, there's, it's very, very intentional. Every word Every term, every example used in the Bible um, is not by accident. It's by a divine purpose on there. And the purpose of this uh, series is, number one, to inspire you to read your Bible. uh, Because we need the Bible, right? We need um, to read our Bible. But also to explain why we as God's children do what we do and believe what we believe. You are hearing me? Um, So we're going to be... talking more about supernatural things and also just great acts of faith as well in the Bible. Um, but it's important for us to, to be able to understand some of the things in the Bible to understand biblical language. Because the, the Bible has a language um, and, and it talks, there, it, like I said last week, that it talks in types and shadows, which means it, uh, God could use a specific subject like a, a word, or a person, place, or thing, but it's a physical thing, but it has a spiritual meaning behind it. Um, and also the Bible talks very plainly, practically, and clear, clearly about certain things. Just kind of like last week, like we talked about baptism and tongues of fire. That was very uh, clear about what the Bible talks about that. Um, but today I'm going to be talking more on the side of the types and shadows, okay, uh, of, of the biblical language. And uh, the title of today's message is called Beware of Chaldeans. Tell your neighbor, tell them to beware of Chaldeans. So some of the questions we're going to be answering or trying to answer today are, uh, are demons real? Can demons really enter people? Can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Are demons strong or not? Does God use demons for a purpose? What are demons trying to accomplish? And as a Christian, what should I do about demons? And just for fun... Can my dog be possessed by a demon? All right. So we'll try to get to that one. Um, But let me tell you something. Satan does not want you to hear this message. And let me tell you why. Because Satan, the enemy, does not like to be exposed. There's a saying out there that says the greatest lie that the devil ever told, told is to make people believe that he does not exist. And um, I mean, he's the father of lies, but I mean, I'm not sure if that's completely true or not, but it's very up there right? (laughs) to make people believe that he does not exist. Because if he could make people believe that he doesn't exist, of course, then he could make you believe that God exists and and, and tell you other lies. Um, But we're going to start in Acts chapter 13 and starting in verse 40. So uh, please take notes on on some of this stuff. Write down these scriptures, write down these points and, and go in your Bible app to these scriptures. Uh, but I'm just going to read Acts 13 really quick, and then we're going to go to the next scripture. So you really don't have to go to Acts 13, but uh, we're going to read this, and you're probably going to think, what does that have to do with demons or what Stephen's trying to talk about? It's going to set up the rest of, the t- uh, of our time together. So Acts 13, 40, 
And this is the Apostle Paul talking. And he's giving a warning. All right. So he says, beware. Say that again with me. Beware. Therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets comes upon you. Behold, you despisers marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. Okay. So here's Paul in the New Testament. So the Bible split up into two different testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So this is Paul in the New Testament. So this is after Jesus had already came down in bodily form, uh, died a death, uh, was buried and rose again. Uh, So New Testament. And Paul is giving the church Christians a warning and he's quoting an Old Testament prophet. Okay, so now let's go to that Old Testament prophet and see what he's talking about. All right. So Habakkuk. Chapter one, you could go there with me. So Paul is quoting Habakkuk. um, Habakkuk chapter one, starting in verse five. So this is what he's saying. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told to you. For indeed, watch this, God speaking through a prophet. I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. So tell your neighbor again, bump them and say, beware of Chaldeans. Okay, so here in the Old Testament, God is speaking through a prophet, but this is God's response to that prophet because this prophet had questions. He was wondering, God, why, why are so many bad things happening in the world? What's going on? Why is there so much evil going around, going on around us? And this is God's response. He says, behold, indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans. And I'm going to explain a little bit about what the Chaldeans are. So uh, but let me tell you before I get there, like I told you, the Bible split up into two different testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So listen to me. So the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Okay, so um, write that down so you so you know that. But um, Chaldeans are an Old Testament type of demons. They were enemies that came against God's people, and they distracted them, deceived them, and um, and, and different things. They they had, they uh, will come and possess dwelling places that were not theirs. So that's that's a key phrase here. Um, But the interesting thing about Paul's message. So, like I said, Paul was explaining an Old Testament thing, warning the church, telling them, behold or beware that the prophet's words don't apply to you. So the interesting thing about Paul's message, listen to this. There there were absolutely no literal Chaldeans in Paul's day. And he's telling them to beware of Chaldeans. So. If there were no literal Chaldeans in Paul's time, the, 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 listen, the, the Chaldeans were utterly destroyed completely in 539 B.C. So they were never mentioned as a nation or, or a people or even an ethnicity at all. So um, Paul's talking this message. So what could he possibly mean? And so he, the people are. Let me tell you this. The skeptics of that day could have probably heard this message that Paul was speaking, saying, behold, uh, beware of, of the Chaldeans, which were an Old Testament type of demons. 
they were probably thinking, the skeptics, this guy Paul's crazy. He's out of his mind. There aren't any Chaldeans. And I want you to think about that. The skeptics of today, when preachers or teachers talk about the spiritual realm or talk about demons, what, what is their response? That guy's crazy. What is Stephen talking about? Right? Why is he talking about demons? Right? And you end up being skeptical. But it's important that we teach you these things because they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. That's, what the, that's their, their purpose. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. But let me tell you something that the, the most dangerous attack is the attack that you don't see coming. So we have to be aware. We have to be on guard. We have to stay alert. Um, so let me give you all three things about Chaldeans or demons. All right. Three things about demons or Chaldeans. Uh, number one is that demons they are thieves. Okay? And we're going to go back to Habakkuk and read it in verse 6. And it says, For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Has anybody ever had anything stolen from them? It's not a good feeling, right? And I told you all the story uh, before uh, of when I was 16 years old, I had a really nice souped up Honda Civic and um, I always had a car parked behind it. And one night I didn't have a car parked behind it and that was the night that it was stolen. So there, there was a, some sort of thief was out there on the lookout for that one time that I slipped up and didn't park a car behind it. And that's the time that they took it. So. Demons are thieves. And, and, and Jesus says, he talks about Satan in, in, in Matthew. And he says that Satan is the thief. And that the thief comes only, that's a key word, only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what demons, that's what the work of Satan is out for. And, and whenever the, um, the Bible refers to Satan, a lot of times it doesn't mean Satan personally. A lot of times it means the work of Satan. Because uh, the thing about Satan, he's not omnipresent, which means he, he's, he can't be more than uh, two places at one time. Okay, so he could, he could only be in at one place at one time. So when the Bible refers to, the, to Satan, a lot of times it means the work of Satan. So omni means all and then present. So he's not omnipresent. God is. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is here tonight with us. And also the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He could be at another church meeting as well. So that's the awesome thing about the Holy Spirit, about God. Um, but Satan is not. And God, another, another thing that he is, he's uh, omnipotent, which means uh, omni means all and uh, potent means powerful. So he's all powerful and he's also omniscient, which means omni means all. And then science means knowledge. So he's uh, all knowing. He has all knowledge. OK, um, but Satan is not like that. So the que- to answer the question, are demons real? Yes, <laughs> they're very real. And um, Jesus talked more about demons than he did about angels and uh, about holy angels. Um, but, but the most important thing that Jesus did or talked about was that he actually cast out demons. That, that's the important thing. OK, so the point of this message is not to scare you or anything like that. The importance of this message is to let you know, first to stay alert, to be aware, um, but also to know the authority that Jesus has given us. Because Jesus says, behold, 
I have given you authority over snakes and scorpions. To trample down snakes and scorpions. That's another type and shadow. Snakes and scorpions. He's not talking about insects. Like, oh man, I know you're, some of you are scared of snakes, right? A lot of us are. And scorpions. I, don't, I mean, yeah, for sure. I don't want to get bit or whatever, stung by a scorpion. But he's not talking about insects. He's talking about demons. That's another type of shadows. Birds are another type of shadows. The, the enemy came and the bird snatched the seed. Um, but he's talking about Satan here. And, and there's some people that might think, oh, Satan came to me in my room. And he scared me or whatever. I don't know. But it probably wasn't the real guy. <laughs> it was probably one of, uh, one of his demons, right? And uh, when Jesus was, uh, by the way, when Jesus was getting tempted by Satan, that was a literal dude. That was the, the, the Satan himself when he was tempted in the wilderness that we talked about uh, last week. Uh, because Jesus did merit Satan's attention. Okay? Um, so... But uh, Satan has an army of demons that do his work. So that's important to, to know. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go to Psalms 83. So Habakkuk, we're still going to be turning there. But Psalms 83, verse 1. And it says this. O God, do not be silent. Do not be deaf. Do not be quiet, O God. Has anybody ever prayed a prayer like that? Like, God, are you listening? <laughs> do you know what I'm going through right now? He says, don't you hear the uproar of your enemies? Who are the enemies of God? Demons, the work of Satan. Don't you see that your arrogant enemies are rising up? They devise crafty schemes, that's important, against your people. They conspire against your precious ones. Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of its existence. So here it's talking about Israel, and that's... It's, that's important because right now Israel is, the enemy is attacking the, the literal uh, country of Israel right now. And there, there's so many, has, Israel has so many enemies out there that are trying to destroy it because those are God's people. All right. But it also, for us, it's the church. Okay. See, the, the enemy has crafty schemes and he's, um, it, it says that he's conspiring against your precious ones. Who is that? That's you and me. So, so he's conspiring against us. And, and let's go, let's continue to read in verse 12. This is actually the King James version. And uh, Psalm 83, 12, it says, who said, let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. Who are the houses of God? That's you and me. See, the, the Bible talks about us, that we're, we're to create a dwelling place for the spirit of God, our hearts. The Bible also says that we are the temple of of the Holy Spirit. So we are the house of God. And here it's saying, let us take to ourselves. Can you pass me that? It's saying, let us take for ourselves the houses of God in possession. So it's, it's important that we know. So to answer the question, so what are demons trying to accomplish? Let me, let me just be plainly with you, all right? Speak plainly with you. They're coming after you. They're coming after me. They're coming after God's chosen ones, God's precious ones. And many people believe that they're coming after the unbelievers. But no, the devil is not coming after the unbelievers. See, he already has them. He's coming after you and me, after the believers of Christ, to keep us from winning the unbelievers for Christ. Y'all get what I'm saying? 
So this is so important to understand that they're coming after us. So Matthew 12, 43, check this out. Jesus is talking about a demon or, or possessed person. So to answer the question, can demons really enter people? Here's Jesus in Matthew 12, 43. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person. So yeah, a person could actually be, I'm sorry, a demon could actually be in a person. It says, when it leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home, empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. And the key word here is empty. So how many times do you know, have you known people that have come to this church or just people who have come and gotten saved and they get their act cleaned up for a while? But then they go right back into the sin or the lifestyle that they were living in and they're even worse off than before. Right? Too many times to count. But that's that, the key word is empty. It's because they did not fill their house with the word of God and with God's spirit. Like we talked about last week, it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit and also be filled with his word. Okay, so that's why. And some of you guys today are under attack and you know it and you've 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 been feeling it under attack. Um, But I'm telling you, you have to fill your house, even though you're trying to get your your act cleaned up. That's good. But you have to do it with the word of God. It's uh, by the washing of the water of the word. That's how we renew our minds. Um, So that's what we got to do and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, So why? Why? Why is this? Why does this happen? Why do demons enter people and come out of people and and things like that? Why? Because we're in a war. You have to realize that as Christians, as children of God, we're in a war. And I'll prove that to you in Ephesians 612. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So that's important. When your family comes to attack you, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, a friend, whatever. Listen, that's not your enemy. We're not fighting against flesh and and blood enemies. It says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. See, we're talking about supernatural things. These are things that we cannot see with the natural eye. Against mighty powers in this dark world. We're living in a dark world, right? And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we're in a war. Bump your neighbor. Tell them you're in a war. Tell your other neighbor. Tell them, wake up. You're in a war. (laughs) So since they're thieves, what do they want to steal? What do these Chaldeans, what do these demons want to steal from you? Number one, they want to steal the word of God. From you, Because that's your, that's your weapon. The Bible says that the word of God is a sword in the spirit. So since we're not fighting a flesh against flesh and blood enemies, we can't punch a demon, right? The only way we could defeat the works of, of Satan and the, the enemy in our lives is through that word of God. So that's the number one thing that, that, the, enemy, that the demons want to steal from you is the word of God. Um, and, I, and I shared with you all in the You Are Here series that... The enemy snatches the seed from the, the rocky soil. And it says it talks about birds come and eat them. That's another type and shadow, birds. 
Um, also, what else do they want to steal? They want to steal your authority. In the beginning, uh, with Adam and Eve, Satan tempted Eve and Adam, not just to, to tick off God. <laughs> he, he tempted them because he wanted their authority. See, because God had, right before they had fallen, God had just given them authority and dominion over the entire earth. And Satan, right after that, came and took that dominion and that authority. So he wants your authority. But Jesus, when he came, he came and took that authority back from Satan. And then that's why he says, behold, I've given you authority to trample down snakes and scorpions, which is demons. All right. So but the problem is the enemy comes in and lies to us. And just like he did to Eve and to Adam, and he steals that authority back in your life. So that's another thing. He wants to steal your authority. Um, also, he wants to steal your health. That's a big one. There, and, and an example of that is the woman with uh, um, the spirit of infirmity. She was a, a woman that Jesus had healed. And the Bible uh, describes her as a woman who was bent double. And she had been like that for many years. And uh, Jesus healed her. And he said that, uh, and, and the Pharisees were mad because he healed her on the Sabbath day. You know how they were always getting mad, the religious leaders, the religious people were always getting mad at Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath. Um, but Jesus said, he's like, here's this daughter of Abraham who's been bound by Satan. He, said, he uses that term. He says she was in bondage to Satan. So her health was being attacked by demons. So that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal your health. Um, another thing he wants to steal is your peace. How many of you, I mean, you don't have to, of course, raise your hand, but you've dealt with fear before, worry, um, anxiety, things like that. Demons that... The work of Satan wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal that from you. As a Christian, as a, ch- a child of God, he wants to take your peace. He wants you to be worried. He wants you to be afraid. Uh, another thing he wants to steal is your, your joy. He wants to steal your joy. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So uh, if he could steal your joy, he could steal your strength. Um, how many of you have ever felt depressed, right? You felt, you felt oppressed and depressed, um, you felt lonely, things like that, because he wants to steal your joy from you. That, that's a, a work of Satan in your life. Um, he also wants to steal your purpose. That's a big one. He wants to keep you from your purpose. And another thing is he wants to, to steal your future from you. He wants to steal your, your future marriage. He wants to steal your future um, career that God has for you. He wants to steal your future ministry that God has called you to. Those are all things that the devil uses demons that the work of Satan wants to steal from your life because they're, number one is what? They're thieves. They're not falling asleep on me, are y'all? They're still with me. So here's another thing. They're here to oppress, depress, and possess God's people. And, and let me tell you that. There, there's, there's no mercy with the devil. And that leads me to my second point is they are vicious. All right? Chaldeans, demons, they're vicious. Let me tell you something. Satan never has a good day. Satan never has a, uh, let me say it this way. Satan never has a merciful day. He's not going to be like, oh, he's going through something right now. He's sad. Uh, okay, let's just let up on him for a day. We'll come back to him next week. Or her, no, no, no. She's, she's over there feeling lonely. Let, let's just leave her alone for a little bit. Let, let, let her catch her breath for a moment. We'll come back to her next month. We'll put her on the list. No. 
He never has a merciful moment. When you're at your lowest of lows, that's when he comes and attacks you. That's when he comes and steals from you. That's when he comes and tries to, to destroy you, destroy your faith. Because he's, he's not merciful. God is merciful. God is, is mercy. So let's go back to Habakkuk 1, our main passage. Habakkuk 1, 7. It says, talking about the Chaldeans again. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are, are also are swifter than leopards. So that's another type and shadow, leopards, and more fierce than evening wolves. All right, so we're going to get to that in a moment. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. How many people are, if you think about it, how many people are held captive by Satan today? How many people are held in bondage to Satan? Not, not even including believers, unbelievers out there. It says they, they gather captives like sand. And on top of that, they have even more, even more so, they have even believers in bondage. People who are held captive by sin. Um, so here's the first thing. They're vicious. Or the second thing, they're vicious. And a sub point is they're like wolves. Okay, so that's another sh- a type in a shadow. Their demons are like wolves. So like I said in the beginning that the Bible uses terms and, and places, people, and things not by accident, but by intention. It's intentional with the words that it speaks. So let's, let's think about wolves for a moment. Okay, so if it says they're like wolves, um, let me just read a couple more scriptures to you. Ezekiel twenty two twenty seven. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing their prey to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. That sounds like the devil, right? He came to kill, steal, and destroy. Zephaniah 3.3, 3, her princes in her midst are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. So that's important too, because let me tell you something. They attack at night. Wolves attack at night. How many times have you been alone at night, right? And suddenly a thought comes into your mind. A thought of loneliness or a a thought of depression or a thought of lust, right? And you begin to dwell on that thought and it leads you into something. It leads you into sin, which leads you into bondage. Are you with me? And and, um, or, or in the middle of the night, you can't sleep. So you grab your phone, right? You start scrolling, you start going here, there, and then you end up looking at something you shouldn't have looked at. Why? Because they attack at night. It says they're like evening wolves who, who leave not a bone till morning. And, and then you end up in the morning, you end up feeling bad, you end up feeling down, you feel, end up feeling condemned, right? Because that's what the enemy's job is to, to make his believers, to make God's uh, children live that way. Um, Acts 20, 29, this is Paul again talking. He says, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So let me tell you this. He wasn't talking about literal wolves here. All right. He wasn't saying, hey, right when I leave here, you are going to have to go set up uh, some wolf traps. Okay, because they're going to come out and they're going to get you guys. He's not telling the church that to get. He's not telling them about literal wolves. 
He's talking about the work of Satan, demons. He's saying, when I leave here, because he, he, he was their pastor here. He was their covering. He was their apostle, Paul, the church. He says, when I leave here, you can rest assured the enemy's coming in. Or he's going to try to come in. So he was warning them. So how many times have you left a meeting like this? Right? And when you leave from, from God's people or, or from your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you go home and, and you do something bad. Right? Or you're tempted or, or the devil ends up making you fall even right after a meeting like this. Right? Because he's vicious. Not even sparing the flock. Who's the flock? The flock is the church. It's you and me. So it's so important that we're aware how the devil works, how the enemy works. He's vicious. Um, here's the thing about wolves as well that, that I read. So uh, this is from a person who studies wolves and a researcher. And he says, when wolves seem the most casual and innocent, even interesting to watch, you know how you watch them on National Geographic or Discovery Channel or something? They're actually studying you and sizing you up for the attack. The more indifferent they seem, the more serious uh, the danger. They are preparing for the pack attack. Remember, they don't attack by themselves. They attack with other demons. The more comfortable they appear, the more deadly they are. So, like I said, the Bible does not use these terms and these things by accident. It's describing demons. That's how, this is how demons work. Um, so this is, this is awesome the way the Bible talks. Like this is biblical language. So if the more you understand the way the Bible talks, the more you'll get a hunger for the Bible. The more you will want to, to hear, okay, God, what were you speaking here on this? And the Holy Spirit would begin to uh, open it up to you and, and speak to you that way. But here's the thing. So wolves, they never attack the herd. They always attack the sheep that's by itself. It's always a sheep that's away from the flock. Those are the wolves that they attack. I'm sorry, those are the sheep that the wolves attack. So you're never, like right now, you're probably not being attacked. You're not being tempted. You're not like, hey, you should, be, you should go watch pornography after this, right? Like, no. It's when you're alone by yourself, right? Or when you isolate yourself. Or, right, and, and like I said, you feel lonely at times. You feel bored. Those are the people that he goes after. The ones that separate themselves. The one that, that kind of trying to, hey, you know what? I, don't want, I really don't want to be close, um, too close today. I don't feel like being too close to them. But I'm, I'm probably just going to stay in tonight. And you got to be very, very, very careful with situations like that because you're being prepared. You're being set up. It's a trap from the enemy. Um, they also, like I said, attack in packs to surround you, to keep you from escaping. Okay? Uh, so that's why it's important to get as close to the shepherd as possible. Who's the shepherd? Jesus. Get as close to the good shepherd as possible. And, and uh, even there's a scripture in Psalms 23. It says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It says, and he talks about uh, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. See, his rod is not to discipline you or to hit, hit the sheep. It's to hit the wolf. To protect and comfort you. So that's why we get, got to get close to the shepherds. Um, but like, again, like I said, Satan never has a merciful moment. Um, there was actually this past year and a half. Um, 
just like even last month, one of them was last month, another one was about a year ago. There's two pastors, both young pastors around my age, around 30, 31, 32 years old. Both of them, um, different times, of course, committed suicide. They ended their lives. Two young pastors with beautiful families, uh, beautiful young families, beautiful wives, beautiful children. And um, the, very, the first one I had heard about was sometime last year. And uh, when I heard about it, I was looking at his, his profile. He was, man, he, he was a good-looking, good-looking young man. He was a pastor. He looked like he had everything going from beautiful family. And he ended his life. So sad. And then uh, about a, a month and a half or so ago, or two months ago maybe, uh, another one, uh, good-looking young pastor, um, beautiful family, same thing. He ended his life. And, and, um, and of course, the, the wives and the, the family talked about how they had been um, struggling with depression and anxiety and things like that. Uh, so it, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. But let me tell you, man, it, it's a sad thing for those children. There's young, there's young boys, like one of them had two young boys, um, maybe three and four years old, and, and their dad ended the end of their life and, and due to a work of Satan. He doesn't care about your family. He doesn't care uh, about what's going on, what, about how people feel. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's out to not spare any of the flock at all, guys. So I'm, I'm telling you, we have to be alert. We have to beware. We have to be on guard to not leave an open door to the enemy. And, and God even told uh, Cain in the beginning, he says, watch out for Satan is crouching uh, at your door. For sin is crouching at your door, ready to come in and control you. So that, that's what he's doing. He's trying to control us. So he never has a merciful moment. They're trying to come in. So the third point leads me to this, is they are cunning. These Chaldeans, these demons are cunning. And we can read about that in Psalm, Psalms 83 and 3. It says, they have taken crafty counsel. They're crafty against your people. It's talking about God's people. And consulted together against your sheltered ones. So, this is a true story, guys. Like, there's, there's spirits in the unseen world that are conspiring against you. They're saying, how can I take him out? How can I uproot them from where God has implanted? How can I uh, get them into bondage? How can I keep them into bondage? And, and I'm telling you, they're crafty. They're cunning. And even in the beginning, uh, it, it's talked about the serpent. It says the serpent, which is another type of shadow, it wasn't... I don't believe a literal serpent. I believe it was uh, I mean, the devil. He might have manifested in a serpent. I don't know. But um, it says that the serpent was the most cunning out of any of the wild beast. And it's not talking about the most cunning out of the lions, the tigers, and the bears. No. It's saying out of, out of all the demons and evil spirits, Satan was the most cunning. So I'm telling you, demons, these Chaldeans, they're, they're cunning um, and they devise crafty schemes is what this, uh, this word says. Crafty counsel. Um, the, the NLT says crafty schemes. Um, but let me tell you something. Um, they're strategic as well. Very strategic. A lot of people think that the devil is not organized. I'm telling you, the devil, his kingdom is sometimes even more organized than the church itself. He's running quite the organization and, and, and there's um, the Bible talks about different. I mean, like I said, evil rulers, principalities of the unseen world, 
uh, different things like that. And he has different categories of demons. The Bible talks about seven categories of demons that we don't have time to get into right now. But uh, let's go back to Habakkuk 1 and let's read this. Watch this. It says in verse 15, they take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. He's talking about the Chaldeans. They take up all of them with a hook. So have any of you ever been fishing before, right? You can't just catch a fish with a hook. You need some bait on it, right? So let me tell you something. They're strategic and they try to figure out what you like. And they use that and they put that in front of your face to see if you'll bite on it. Okay, so they know you. They know what you're weak in. They know when you're most weak. They know the places you're most weak. They know the, when you're around the people, that the people you feel most weak with. They know all of that because they study us. They're crafty, they're strategic, and they look for a time to hook us. Um, think about it. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted, he was fasting for 40 days, right? So they used bread to try to, Satan used bread to try to tempt him. If you think about it, David, when he stayed home and didn't go out to war, he was on the rooftop. They um, conspired against him and they used a naked woman to make him fall into adultery. So what other group of, of uh, people other than a, a demonic force like this can craft something like that? To, to, to make David stay home from war when he was supposed to be out in war, the Bible says, and to, to uh, put it in his mind to go up on the rooftop and then, of course, to put it in her mind to go out and take a bath at the exact same time to make him fall. I'm telling you guys, and, and that was a weak point in David's life. So it was, part of, it was his fault, of course, for staying home because he was weak. Like I said, he isolated himself and then the enemies, that's when they attacked. So are y'all still with me? Y'all hearing this? Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Like I said, he's strategic. Um, so another thing about these Chaldeans, they actually, you know, the, you know the, ba- the Babylon, the Bible talks about Babylon. So they were the ones that uh, ruled Babylon, like King Nebuchadnezzar, the one that set up the gold statue and made everybody bow, the 90-foot gold, gold uh, statue and made everybody bow to it and made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They tried to make that. You know that story, right? So Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean, okay? And um, they, uh, before he ruled that place, the Chaldeans were a small group of people, and they will make their way. So before that, there was one person who became a friend of the Babylonians, and um, they didn't think anything of it. The Babylonians didn't think anything of this Chaldean, and that Chaldean ended up taking over the entire nation. And then even right after that, that's when Nebuchadnezzar came in. He was a Chaldean, and he ruled uh, Babylon. So, but another thing about the Chaldeans was before they did that, they used to live in marshes where the tall grass, like swamps, things like that. And uh, when, whenever people would walk through those marshes and get stuck, they would, there were great archers. They would pull out their bow and arrows, and they'll, they'll start killing the people that way. And that's how they will conquer nations and conquer people. Um, so they're very crafty. 
And, and then there's another scripture in Ephesians as well, 6. It talks about the whole armor of God like we read. And it talks about raise up the shield of faith to block all the fiery arrows of the devil or the fiery arrows of the wicked one. Because that's how the enemy is. He shoots out darts, shoots out that he, he knows the bait. He knows how to attack us. Um, and they're looking for an open door to come into your life. These demons, these Chaldeans are looking for an open door to come into your life. Um, Trelawney and I, uh, a few months back, um, we're actually watching a movie that seemed kind of harmless. And it was like a, it was a superhero movie that we had been wanting to watch. And, uh, but in that, that movie ended up being some sort of like witchcraft. I don't know where it was like a crazy turn of events. I didn't think that was going to happen. And um, all of a sudden, like sorcery and witchcraft just popped out of nowhere. And there were like, oh, this is kind of ugly. This is like kind of demonic. And uh, so we're like, we didn't feel good. And so we fast forwarded some, some parts. And then later on in the movie, it came back again and things like that. Um, but later on that night, like in the middle of the night, we heard a really loud bang. And we had no idea where it came from. It was super loud that it woke all of us up. Um, and we were looking. We're like, no, it can't be outside. The raccoons are digging in the trash because they do that sometimes. And it's not, it wasn't that sound. And we looked around. Nothing was broken outside. Nothing outside of our room. Um, anyways, we went back to sleep. But um, the next morning I, we, uh, in our bathroom, like uh, some, something hanging on our bathroom just fell out of our, our shower. And I was like, there's no possible way it could have came out the way it's set up in there. So we, we thought about it. We started praying and rebuking spirits like, God, whatever, like, could have possibly came in our house, like, through this movie or whatever, like, forgive us. And um, we repent and, and we, we prayed, uh, prayed out whatever could have came in. But I'm telling you, the enemy's looking for an open door to come in your life. Now, someone who's, who's used to a lot of that stuff, and, and I'm telling you, demonic movies, demonic, scary, things like that, that's an open door to the demonic in your life. But if you're used to all of that and you see a lot of it, uh, something might not change for you. I mean, you might, you might just go on living and you don't really see a difference. But if you're not used to seeing that stuff and you end up seeing that stuff, that's when you can really notice it. Um, I remember I was, I was just watching TV, like a basketball game or something, and out of nowhere, uh, a preview came on. Like, to, I don't know what, what movie it was, like Lights Out or something like that. Or I don't know, one of the Annabelles or something like that. And I saw a preview and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, let me change it. I was like, I try to change it. But that little bit that I saw... I ended up having a horrible nightmare that night. And, um, and I knew it was from watching that, just, just from seeing a glimpse of that preview. And, uh, but anyways, the, the devil's trying to do whatever he can to come in your life. So demonic, scary shows, movies, things like that. Those are open doors to the enemy. Um, also profane music, uh, things that have, have a bunch of cursing in it, cussing, things like that. that um, that's also an open door to the demonic in your life. Uh, now, now I'm ta- not talking about secular music because there's a different b- difference between secular and profane. Profane's a, a different type of music um, that, that is not honoring to God. And then also um, v- the video games, board games, Ouija boards, demonic stuff like that, seances. It, may- maybe you think that, oh, like I just I did that for a little bit, whatever, or uh, it didn't uh, cause any harm. I'm telling you, that's an open door to the demonic. Um, pornography. Guys, I'm telling you, if you watch pornography, it's a wide open door to the demonic in your life, to, to different things like oppression, depression. I mean, worry, anxiety, things like that. And, and, and the devil tries to use things like that. And you think it's not a big deal. I can repent later or whatever. But those are wide open doors 
the demons in your life. Um, what else? Um, drunkenness, alcohol, things like that, drugs, anything that can cause you to lose control. All those things that the enemy uses, stuff like that. Have you ever noticed like at a liquor store, it says on the top, it says wine and spirits, <laughs> right? And you think it's nothing about it, but it's so deceptive of the enemy. When you drink stuff like that, you drink tequila, you drink vodka, you drink liquor, things like that, you're actually drinking spirits into your body. And, 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 and I asked the question earlier, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Let me tell you this. The word possession means, of course, ownership of. No, a Christian cannot be owned by a demon, but a Christian can be under the influence of a demon or an evil spirit, which can cause you to do bad things, can cause you to stay into sin, things like that, cause you to do bad things. So you're not, you wouldn't be possessed by a demon. And, and there's a lot of times Christians can be possessed by demons. And just because they're not screeching like a, a monster or anything like that doesn't mean they're not possessed. They could be uh, under the influence of the devil, you know what I mean, of, of a demon in their life. Y'all still with me, right? I'm just about done. Um, and I'm going to close with a story. But there, there was a guy back when I was in college. And um, I remember it was a Monday. It was right after a weekend. And uh, this guy, it was, it was a guy I had built a friendship with over the semester. And he told me, he's like, man, dude, he was like, he was in shock. And he was like, dude, I almost died over the weekend. And he said, he's like, I almost OD'd. And he said, I actually died for a couple minutes. And he was telling me a story. He was just, I mean, he was in shock. He, he was just, you could just tell, I mean, he had had an experience. Um, and he told me one thing, he wasn't a Christian, he wasn't a Christian or anything. But one thing that he mentioned, he said he had died for a couple minutes, his heart had stopped beating. And he said during that time that he had saw a dark, a completely dark tunnel that he was going down. And he saw two demons, one on each side, that were ready to grab him into eternity. And then he said, and then he, he ended up waking up and he came back to life. So let me tell you, the devil, <laughs> the devil is a thief. He's vicious and he's cunning. And he's doing whatever he can to come in your life, to steal from you, uh, to deceive you, to distract you, and ultimately to destroy you. Amen? So we have to be on guard. We have to be on alert and take heed the word of God and what Jesus' words. He says, I've given you, behold, I've given you all authority over the enemy. Um, so what do we as Christians, what do we do about demons? To answer that question, what should I do about demons? Very simple. Do not fear. But be alert. Okay? And I'm going to close with the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, stay alert. Say that with me. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he, he's out there. He's looking for someone to devour. And, and let me tell you, he's not out for the unbelievers. He already has them. He's out for you and me. So we have to make sure every door to the enemy, we have to stay alert, any door. So if you have opened the door to the enemy, what do we do as Christians? We repent first and foremost for opening that door to the enemy and ask Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to, to shut it in your life and, and begin to surrender that situation.
to God and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you like we talked about last week. Amen? But let me tell you something about a roaring lion. A roaring lion, a roaring lion is a lion without teeth. It's an, old lion, an older lion. And so the Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion because what a roaring lion does is it scares its prey by roaring and it scares it into the mouths of the young lions that have teeth. So I believe it uses Satan as a roaring lion because I believe that Jesus took all his teeth out. He took all his authority away. So that's the good news, that if you feel oppressed or depressed or possessed by an, an evil spirit, you have the one person that is a master at casting out demons on your side, Jesus. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please subscribe. That way you will always be in the know. Also, if you were impacted by the message today, please consider sharing it by clicking the share episode button or even taking a snapshot and sharing it on your social stories. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Podcast.